Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our series in the Essentials for a Follower of Christ. We'll look at dealing with sin, recognition, confession, repentance that bears fruit. I hope you enjoy this study. This is the first half of a two-part study. Today we're going to continue our essentials. Uh, This is a study or a um, series that we put together for followers of Christ and it was a vision that was given to me for uh, for Calvary Chapel Divine here in 2023. Uh, We've already looked at prayer, seeking, listening, and speaking to God. Uh, Spent some time in Nehemiah chapter 4. Great, great chapter. Uh, we see not only as the enemy comes and mocks them and ridicules them, they 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 go straight to God in prayer. Uh, Nehemiah, great leader, great example of what we're supposed to do. Uh, that's the first thing he does every time is just go straight to prayer, and I love that. And then we've also looked at uh, living God's word daily, growing in obedience and application, growing in obedience and application. So it's not just about living God's word. Uh, or reading it, it's it's living it, applying it, actually learning it. And, and we talked about in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, how there is a famine on the land, not a famine of food or water, but a famine of his word. And, and one of the verses that we talked about was uh, in, in Hebrews, how uh, it has that, have you forgotten the exhortation? Have you forgotten the word? Spending time growing in obedience and application. Today, we're going to deal with something that is extremely hard for followers of Christ to do, but also unbelievers to do, which is dealing with sin. Dealing with sin is actually recognizing, confessing, repenting, and having repentance that actually bears fruit, because that's part of the scripture, repentance that bears fruit. So dealing with sin, is it's a, it's a topic that... Um, you know, I don't think we talk about it like we should in the church, and, and, I, and I believe um, that we should. I think one of the things as we look at essentials, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. You always have sin that you need to deal with, and we always talk about having a short sin list and, and, and dealing with those things on a daily basis. And, and so 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 21 says, And Elijah came near to all the people. And said, how long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer uh, him a word. 
And, and, and it's recognizing, I think that's one of the things that Elijah is, is confronting them with, is like, look, this is sin. You choose to follow Baal, there's going to be consequences for you following Baal. But if you're going to follow God, you need to follow God. And he's telling you, you're limping between the two opinions. You're kind of in and out of the two opinions. And I think when you read the book of James, you, you read about that double-mindedness that happens. And, and we've always said you're either all in with God, uh, you're not on the fence. Like, well, I just want to kind of learn more. And it's, the, the fence is owned by the devil. Uh, and so it's, it's either you follow or not. And, and that's really what Elijah was talking about. And I, I talked to you all about this on uh this past sunday just the importance of understanding like it's if you're just coming to church because it was something that you grew up doing meaning that it was this is what i always did this is what mom and dad always did or this is what my grandmother or grandfather always did or my tío or my tia always just took me to church and there's been no transformation meaning that there's been no uh confession of sin and asking christ into your heart uh, to um, to believe in Jesus, to believe in the resurrection, um, then then you're wasting your time in church. Uh, I I would hate to tell you that because what you're doing is you're just sitting in church playing church, and and that happens a lot on Sunday, and it happens across America on Sunday a lot, and I I grew up in the South, and so families that's just what they did is they go to church every Sunday. But they would live like crazy people the rest of the days of the week. And, and, and that's what he's kind of saying here. And that's where I got that from. It's like if you're choosing to limp between the two opinions, you're, you're, you're limping uh, and, and wasting time. You need to choose to follow God. Like if you're here for church, you choose to follow God. And that needs to be a realistic thing. And, and it's, it's choosing to follow God and putting away the idolatry and following God and leading your family as you do that. Your kids need to see you living faith in the home. And that's what recognizing sin does. It's like when they see that there's a real follower of Christ in the home, they're going to follow as well. And they're not going to just attend church to attend church. They're not going to limp between the two opinions. They're going to have a foundation that's set when they go to elementary and middle school and high school. Because let me tell you, it used to be back in the day when a, when a, a young woman or a young man would enter into college, their faith would be rocked because of all the, the stuff that's in the world, all the false gods and things that are being taught within the school. But now that's happening even at an earlier age. And so that foundation has to be set. That's why idolatry is such a huge issue. And, and so uh, when we choose not to follow God, you're following something else. And that's what he's saying. You're choosing, you're limping between these two opinions. I love that. And so he's telling them, look, you need to recognize this sin because it is a sin. If you're choosing the world, it's a sin. You choose Christ. You know, And, and so idolatry is, is an overlooked issue for sure. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 says, If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me, and if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved, and you shall swear the Lord lives in truth and judgment and righteousness. The nations 
shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. And this is a great verse for us as a nation as well, as we have to put away our abominations. We have a lot of idolatry that's going on in our nation right now. But is there idolatry going on in your life? Uh, it's, it's easily overlooked. It's a, it's a false god. And, uh, and, and, and idolatry, when we get down to sin, idolatry is the issue. It's always idolatry. Uh, that needs to be dealt with. That's why in Exodus 20, verse 3, that's what God, right off the bat, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. None. There's no hierarchy. There's no, like, they're, they're not before me. And, and a better way to translate that in, in the Hebrew is, they should not be in my presence. They shouldn't be in my presence. But yet we've allowed them there. And, and so we, we have to see that, that idolatry, when we allow idolatry, we're allowing sin into our life. And that means that we've allowed something to be put in the place of God. And that would be an idol. And, and so we're, we're allowing uh, that something to replace God in the position of glory in our lives. And that person or thing, by definition, has become a god. And I love it. I was reading Kyle Ottoman's book, um, uh, Gods at War, Little G, Gods at War. And he's talking about idolatry. And he said, every sin is branched from, is from the tree of idolatry, meaning that the tree itself is idolatry. And all the branches of sin are, are the problems that come out of the idolatry, right? The anger, the lying, the pride, all that stuff. And if you're if you don't deal with chopping down the tree, all you're doing is trimming the branches. Guess what? The branches grow back. In Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty-three, it says, "Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life." It's in in our hearts it, it, when we allow idolatry to take root in our hearts. That's when we have major problems. Uh, I'm going to give you some questions, and this is actually questions that I read from the uh, from the book uh, "Gods at War" by Kyle Alderman, and and I think it's really good for us to kind of look at for us. Uh, so these are from his book, and I wanted to read these to you because I think they'd be so helpful for you. Uh, and it, and that book's available on Amazon. You can listen to it on Audible. It's a it's a wonderful book, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, but it says, "What disappoints you?" We're we're trying to identify. We're trying to identify what is the idolatry that you're dealing with. So if you have sin in your life, what is the idolatry that's causing it? So he says, what disappoints you? When we feel overwhelmed by disappointment, it's a good sign that something has become far more important to us than it should be. Disappointment reveals that we have placed intense hope and longing in something other than God. So if we were to identify great disappointments, where, we, where would you point at? Would it be great disappointments in your job or your health, with your parents, in your family, with friendships, with work? Erwin Lutzer says this, Have you ever thought that our disappointments are God's way of reminding us that there are idols in our lives that must be dealt with? What do you complain about the most? This question is similar to the last, but we're looking at the outside this time. What you express. This might be a good time for you to have an objective opinion, meaning that you talk to your spouse or your family or somebody who knows you 
very well. And, and the typical comp- complaints that come out of that when you complain is either you're going to complain about money, you're going to complain about maybe your relationship, your marriage, your kids, uh, maybe your job. Uh, you, it, it can be different things. But what we complain about reveals what really matters to us. Whining actually shows what has power over us. Worshiping the Lord. And so when we're whining, in in many ways, it's the opposite of worshiping the Lord. Are you whining or worshiping the Lord? Worship is when we glorify God for who He is and we acknowledge what He has done for us. But whining is ignoring who God is and forgetting what He has done for us. The next question is, where do you spend your money? You need to examine your spending habits. Uh, the Bible says that your, your treasure uh, is there where the heart is also. And so if you look at your, your, your bank account, your bank statement, or you go online and you see, you can see where your idol is. If it's on stuff or it's, it's you know, uh, I, I got to have this particular shoe or I got to have, I mean, it's, it's where are you spending your money? What worries you? It could be the idea of losing someone significant or uh, maybe losing a a, a position at work or uh, the fear of being ridiculed. Maybe it's the fear of being alone. You know, a lot of people struggle with idolatry when it comes to relationships because they have the fear of being alone. You can deeply care about something that has a hold of you deep inside and reveal when your mind is in free form, meaning that you have that time at night and you cannot slow your brain down. And it's just worry. And, and I know a lot of people deal with that. They deal with racing thoughts. Where is your sanctuary? Where do you go when you're hurting? Let's say you have a horrific day at work or a bad day at school or you come home. Where do you go? Do you head to the refrigerator for comfort food, do you head to the remote and to kind of check out and binge watch maybe four hours worth of Netflix or something? Do you get on the phone and vent with a friend? Do you seek video games for escape? Do you seek alcohol or weed? You know, it's it's, it's what are those things that you run to when when you go to your sanctuary a lot of people struggle with with stress or or stuff and where do they go pornography where do you look for emotional rescue the bible tells us god is our refuge and strength our, our help in times of trouble so much so that we will not fear though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea so where do you go uh, where do you look for emotional rescue and and that's the place like where do we run to uh, when everything around us seems to be falling apart. Where we go says a lot about who we are. A lot of times we run to everything but God. And I want you to think about that just for a second. We talked about that with Nehemiah. Nehemiah and them were being, uh, they faced ridicule after ridicule, mocking, the enemy coming after them, and where did they go? Every time they went to God. They went to God in prayer. They went back to doing what God had called them to do. They stepped right back into faith, which is awesome, awesome. What infuriates you? Do you have a hot-button topic that you can't talk about that makes you crazy? Is it something that, that, uh, you know, is political? Is it something that that 
maybe it's 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 something that is social justice or it just upsets you and you get upset and you want to argue and fight maybe it's when somebody cuts you off in front of the the line in HEB or when the line's too long you just lose your control and your emotion it's it, it is that moment when somebody embarrasses you or, or doesn't treat you with the way you thought you should be treated so what infuriates you and that reveals a, a bigger issue maybe that quick temper reveals one of the oldest idols of all which is the god of me see when we're talking about these different idols what we're talking about is the the god of comfort the god of control the god of lust those things are are the tree trunks or the trees that need to be dealt with and out of that comes the lust of the eyes lust of the flesh pride of life and those things have to be dealt with I love 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Uh, how many of us have, have heard that verse over and over and over? And one of the things that really stood out to me this time when I looked at this is, is all Scripture is breathed out, by God. So scripture comes from God. I mean, God is the ultimate author. So when you're reading the word of God, you're hearing from the author himself, God. He used that person through the Holy Spirit to write, like in this scripture with Paul. And he's addressing this to Timothy and he's telling Timothy, look, you got to remember the scripture that's breathed out by God. Why? Because it's profitable for what? Teaching for teaching, for learning. That's what we go to to learn. But do you get the next word? It says for reproof. Now, most people, when they think of reproof, means just correction. But you know what the, the word in the Greek actually means? It means conviction. So you're teaching, and then from learning it and teaching it, you're being convicted. So when you spend time in God's word, you're being convicted or if you're in church on Sunday, you're being convicted, right? And then what's the next thing that's supposed to happen after you're convicted? You're corrected. You're corrected. It means that you're restored to an upright state. That's what it means in the Greek. That you're restored to an upright state. And then you're trained into what? Righteousness. So you're, you're supposed to be learning and teaching, but then it's for reproof, for conviction, for correction, and then you're trained in righteousness. And, and that's when I was looking at this, when I was talking about your recognition of sin, your confession. And that's really what the Word of God does, is when you're in God's Word, there are times when it does convict you. There are times I've sat in service and been absolutely convicted. Like it's just a, just a uh, you know, right to the heart. And it's something, okay, what are you going to do with it? The Holy Spirit gives it to you. What are you going to do with it? And so once you you're, you're recognize it, you have to do what? You're convicted, you have to confess it. And then you, you're corrected, and, and you're trained up for righteousness. And when you're, when you're trained up for right, righteousness, it says that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. It's, it just reminds me that if you're training in righteousness, you've been convicted, you've been corrected, you're training up for that upright state in righteousness, you're going to bear fruit. People are going to know, hey, there was repentance that bare fruit. 
I love Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is, uh, is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I'm reading you that because we're going to dive into the things that Paul talks about as he talks about the putting on or putting to death these things, and then he tells you to put these things on. And so I wanted to, to let you know that because it, as we look at Scripture, as we're learning Scripture, right, and we're dealing with sin, our, our, our thoughts and, our, and the things that we seek should be the things that are above. We need to set our mind on the things that are above. When we're focused on the things of this earth, that's when we fall into temptations and sin. Paul is going to go into Colossians chapter 3, verses 5, uh, and, and he's going to tell you some things that have to be put to death. He says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So Paul is saying, look, these things, they have to die. You have to murder it. And these were things that should have went at, before you chose to follow Jesus. But see, what happens is with a lot of people sometimes, because of their self-will or their self-righteousness or just they, they, they like getting the shovel and digging up the old body because we're a new creation in Christ. But you're going back to the old and those things that he's talking about, they should, they should have been put off. If you're still struggling with those things, you have to put them to death. And, and, and every sin uh, that is not put to death would do two things. Every sin that is not put to death will do two things. It will either weaken the soul and deprive it of its ability, or it will darken the soul and deprive it of its own comfort and peace. You won't have any peace. It will weaken the soul, meaning that you're, it deprives the ability of what you're, what you're doing. One of the things that we need to be doing is we need to be killing sin. He's like, you need to put this stuff to death. Kill it. Now, as he's talking about it, he's talking about the fornication. And, and fornication is simply this. And this is probably going to hurt some feelings, and I'm not trying to, to just be blunt, but this is what it is. Fornication is actually any sexual relation outside of marriage. And, and we can get in more detail in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Let the marriage bed be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. So what is fornication? Fornication is anything that's outside the marriage, the marriage bed, meaning husband and wife. Okay? So if you are, if you are messing around with pornography, um, if you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and having relations, you're, you're actually in fornication. You're actually in sexual relations outside the marriage, and it's a sin. If you're, having a, you're in the LGBTQ community, it's a sin. And it's different. You know, one of the things that's funny is like you lust, the LGBTQ community lusts the same way that the heterosexual community lusts. 
it's still all sin. If you act on it, it's a sin. And, and it needs to be dealt with. And so God clearly defines in, in the Bible uh, what the marriage bed is. And, and this is very important. If a husband is sneaking out and looking at pornography and doing that and, and having any kind of sexual activity outside the bedroom, away from his wife, that's fornication as well, and it's a sin. And it needs to be dealt with. That's what he's saying. These things got to be put to death because uh, they're just going to continue to pull you away from God. Uncleanliness, that means the impurity of thought. But it's not just the impurity of thought. It's of word or action. Passion, that's a vile, twisted affection. And, and, and that type of passion is unbridled lust. And so that's that type of lust where you're longing for someone with affection and you could be married and you're longing and lust for that person and it's a sin evil desire longing for what is forbidden well that concludes today's broadcast of sun salt and light radio we hope that you enjoyed it if you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times you can do all of that at our website uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at spotify audible tune in radio pretty much wherever you can find a podcast uh, you you can just type in sun salt and light and you'll find it uh, we hope that you enjoy today's broadcast if you'd like to give to this ministry uh, what i would always suggest is give to this radio station it's because of this radio station that we have great expository teachers uh, for you and i would say um, make that donation to them i hope that you have a wonderful wonderful day god bless you remember you can find us at calvarydivine.org calvarydivine.org. God bless.